You must tell me all your secrets. Remember, we must share everything together. Gentlemen, go, go for a wild, wild ride with the Watusi cats. But beware, the sweetest kittens have the sharpest claws. For your own safety, see faster pussycats. Kill, kill. Wild women, wild wheels. Race the fastest pussycats and they'll beat you to death. Superwoman, belted, buckled, and booted. <laughs> yourself on this kid and hanging us up for nothing. For nothing? She's got nothing to do with the money. She is the money. Jack and Jill, they make the mafia look like brownies. Hey, he's a big one, ain't he? That must have swung away to his ears. Yeah. 10% of your action be enough for anyone. Too much for one man to handle. And again, you never can tell. You girls a bunch of nudists or you just uh, short of clothes? Right now, you're first on my list. And I always try to talk. You've only got one channel. And your channel's busy tuning in outside. Hello, and welcome back to Girls, Guts, and Giallo. I'm Annie Rose Malamet, and today I'm here with Kelly Gredner of Horror Spinsters. Hi, Kelly. Hello, I'm so and, happy to be here. And it's Spinsters of Horror or Horror Spinsters? It's Spinsters of Horror, okay. but usually on some social media, it's Horror Spinsters. Right. Like, can't... Anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Kelly, we're going to be talking today about Faster Pussycat Kill Kill. Yes. Uh, <laughs> amazing. <laughs> so before we get into that, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and what you, what your podcast is? Yes. So Spencer's of Horror is about a year and a half old, and uh, it is a multimedia project. So we have a once a month podcast called I Spit in Your Podcast, uh, where we talk about, you know, various horror films, sometimes other mediums, and it's semi-academic. There is some research and thoughtful analysis and some banter, but in the end, it's all about our passion for for the medium, for the genre, uh, and the films that we're talking about. Uh, we also do movie reviews and blog posts. Mainly, my partner Jess does the blog post, but every once in a while, you'll see my work on there. So we do a lot of writing and the podcast. Awesome. And the podcast yeah. is really good, and I encourage, if you like this podcast, you'll like I spit on your podcast. So definitely check it out. Um, okay. So when did you first see this movie? So this movie is very iconic and I've known about it for a very long time, probably many years, but hadn't watched it. There's even, I think in season two of Buffy, which is one of my favorite shows of all time, uh, one of the characters even says, you know, faster pussycat, kill, kill. And I never knew until recently that that, you know, was this film. But in Toronto, there was uh, a screening of it. And I thought, what a perfect chance to see this movie on, you know, on the big screen in a theater. My partner, my current partner 
loves this movie and he's been saying since we started dating over the last year you'll love this movie you gotta watch this movie we have to watch it so we went to theater we saw it and i was immediately obsessed and so now and that was maybe three months ago so i'm newly obsessed a new huge fan Yes, I love this movie. I rewatched it for the podcast, but I hadn't seen it in a long time. The first time I saw it, I was in high school because I was obsessed with cult movies. And I had this book Mm. called Cult Movies in 60 Seconds, which was like an encyclopedia of cult movies. And I would go through it. it. Yeah, I would go through the book and try to watch all the movies. So this was one of them. And I... My entire, like, <laughs> sexual persona <laughs> is based on Tura Satana in this movie. She's oh. just everything. It's... She is everything. Yeah. Man, just watching it, I, I am super obsessed. And if I would have seen her as, you know, a teenager with my developing sexuality, oh, damn. Yeah. Even now, I feel like I'm... My sexuality is blossoming a little bit. Just yeah, just thinking about her. her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I on my rewatch, I was like, "Wow, I'm rock hard this entire movie." Watch, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> like, I understand yeah. Russ Meyer's obsession with her. Yeah, he is absolutely stunning, and she has such an incredible presence in every single scene, sorry, that she is in in this movie. She's always doing some kind of pose, I feel like, leaning on a car, hands on the hips or in her, you know, the front pockets of her jeans, or maybe she's got, like, her thumbs in the jean loops, Mm -hmm. but she is just absolutely stunning, and maybe I'll do a little cosplay of her at some point. I will never have those amazing brows, but oh the brows just you know I want to start doing my brows like that (laughs) she's incredible yeah and during my rewatch too I was like wow I've been so influenced by this character like Mm -hmm. just you know the makeup the clothes just everything and I watched I did get to watch like a an hour uh, special on Russ Meyer last night mm. as well. So I learned more about him. So the movie is, it came out in 1965. It's an American exploitation film, obviously directed by Russ Meyer, uh, starring Tura Satana, Haji, and Lori Williams as like the three villainesses and mm-hmm. Susan Bernard as their victim. I sort of like don't, I didn't, I have to say, I didn't really look into the, the men who act in it that hard. No, I, just I read about them, but I was like, they're not care. interesting for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So a little bit about Russ Meyer. Uh, he was famous for his softcore pornographic exploitation films featuring women with huge breasts. <laughs> so that's Yes, like... I read about his uh, breast uh you know fetish and um i also read about it's laurie williams who plays billy right mm-hmm. so she doesn't have the um waist to bust kind of normal standard for meyer so i read that he had her actually had her stuff her bra to appear larger than she is i saw that in the documentary <laughs> as well that i watched yeah. like <laughs> 
and apparently by the end of his life, his obsession with breasts, or I mean, really, it's a fetish, like his mm. fetish for large breasts became so like, grotesque. Like, oh. it, yeah, like he, <laughs> it's like, kind of funny, like he just became obsessed with, like, fake breasts as well, mm. like breast implants, oh, yeah. and like, just bigger and bigger and bigger like it just got bigger <laughs> as he got older like the obsession oh wow yeah <laughs> so it's i mean i don't blame him like every woman in this yeah. movie has amazing breasts so oh yeah and yes I, yep also in the documentary uh he was it it, because the documentary was made after his death but there were some interviews with him and he is just so frank about like oh yeah Mm. i'm totally turned on when i'm making these movies like he's there's like no pretense he's like oh yeah i'm incredibly aroused (laughs) (laughs) wow (laughs) hilarious yeah 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 (laughs) i mean like Part of me, this is like the rub always, I feel like with being a queer woman is like part of me is like, ew, you're disgusting pig. And the other part of me is like, but I can't, I get it. Like, yeah, (laughs) she's really hot. So yes, I get it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Would I, you know, necessarily say that? I don't know. I probably would make the the women feel uncomfortable. Keep it in your head a little bit. Right. Keep it uh <laughs> keep it on the on the DL a little. Um <laughs> so right, yeah. he's known for like his blend of sex and comedy and really famous for these low angle shots of mm. women where he's shooting them from below so that they look like mm-hmm. really powerful and Amazonian. Like he definitely has some kind of like giantess fetish Mm -hmm. thing going on as well like these really not just like huge breasts but also like really tall women sort Mm -hmm. of like almost kind of an r crumb thing as well like just wants to be crushed by them uh and there's that's that's why he's got those low angle shots which they made a lot of in the documentary i watched like oh that might typically be seen as unflattering angle for a woman but it like really emphasizes their chest um yeah yeah i those are actually my favorite shots but my favorite shot of the entire movie is it has varla on the right hands on her hips or in her belt loops and then billy uh, sorry rosie and then it has uh the old man in his wheelchair and i'm sorry i don't remember his name I don't, he doesn't even have a name i yeah. think they call him the vegetable it's terrible awful we can but definitely talk it's about that so awful yeah in the credits end credits vegetable actor's name um and it has like them two side by side with them very small in between them that like that low um low shot it's stunning yes i I actually made a note of that shot as well because it's so good and like so symmetrical and just powerful Mm -hmm. uh and so russ meyer really helped one of those figures that helped shape the landscape of underground film during the 60s and 70s and his stuff was like less transgressive of we as we move into the 80s and we get more like hardcore pornography like there's less of a mm-hmm. demand for softcore and something that 
was interesting to me in the in the documentary I watched was there when uh, during the rise of hardcore pornography in the 80s um a lot of like softcore pornographers were really kind of upset about it because they felt like oh we're losing the art of porn mm. like mm, they mm -hmm. they felt like part of the the excitement of it was like having to work around um mm restrictions and yeah. having to like yeah. be creative and have a plot uh yeah. and you get things like faster pussycat where yeah. it's like definitely porny but there's like a plot and you know it's yeah. it's also yeah. beyond that so mm -hmm. i found that really interesting um mm -hmm. so a little bit about tura satana because mm. she's so cool um, yeah. how much do you know about her biography? Uh, it definitely goes into it, not hugely in depth, but, uh, definitely I could even wrote down like an, like age five, age 10, age 13 notes, because apparently her life was quite terrible. Yes. Um, just ridiculous. But then, you know, of course, like the beginning is so terrible. And then the end is so big and grand and wonderful. Yes. She's, she did something really great for herself and was successful and I'm hoping very happy. She seemed, when I watched her in this documentary, she seemed pretty yeah. happy because um, it was made before she died. She died in 2011, mm -hmm. I want to say. Yeah. And she was, so she was born in Japan and her father was a Japanese silent film actor and her mother was a circus performer of Cheyenne mm. and Irish descent neat yeah and her family immigrated to america and to california and they actually for a brief period lived or were interned at a japanese internment camp during world yeah. war ii yeah. and then they moved from california to chicago and tura says that one day while she was walking home from school she was 10 and mm -hmm. she was gang raped by a group of five men who were never prosecuted. Yeah. yeah. So I read that they uh, bribed the judge. Right. So that's why nothing happened with that. Which yeah. Is so terrible. Yeah, it's awful. And it is pr prompted her to learn martial arts like Aikido mm -hmm. and karate. And yeah. that's pretty. So all of her stunts are done by her yeah. in this movie because yeah. she's actually a martial artist. Yeah. Yeah. And it's over... great. All those karate jobs so good yeah <laughs> and over the next 15 years this i thought was in, i need to read more about this at some point over the next 15 years she tracked down each rapist and exacted revenge oh, oh. yeah how so i Is know i fan? need to Is know enacted revenge yeah oh. i need to know the details I also need to know yeah exactly <laughs> so and the only way that she can <laughs> right yeah i need like an entire book about that um i also need that yeah that's crazy and it like didn't really go into it i need to look more into it exactly how she mm -hmm. exacted revenge um but i support her and <laughs> implicitly yep. and, yes yeah she also <laughs> like formed a gang of women so she was yes. literally in like a gang like in the Girl movie gang. yeah yeah <laughs> uh, yeah and she moved to LA by the time she was 15 and she used a fake idea to work as a burlesque dancer 
And she eventually became a very successful exotic dancer or, mm-hmm. um, and traveled from city to city. And she said that this was like her favorite job even more so than acting. So I thought that was pretty fucking cool as well. Yeah. Like yep. so sex work positive and like yep. so just so unapologetic about her past. Um, mm-hmm. She was a really... Mm-hmm incredible person i was doing some research and apparently that there there's been a documentary that's been in the works about her since 2017 so hopefully we'll be getting that soon yeah yeah it's funny because as it was like 3 3 p.m and i was waiting for your message i looked that up they had a kickstarter and everything and the last update was from november of last year and yeah they wanted to raise fifty thousand dollars it got fifty six thousand dollars so it's apparently being made and there's a little trailer on their kickstarter and everything so i'm really hoping because apparently she wrote uh, an autobiography and i don't think it's ever been released it wasn't able to be finished i guess and then not published Ugh, we need, the world needs it and yes. <laughs> yes yes they do we do i do yes do. <laughs> and i also saw in the trailer john waters is talking about mm-hmm. her which mm-hmm. i feel like makes a lot of sense because this movie is a precursor to pink flamingos and mm. definitely i can see how divine the character of divine would be influenced by varla like just Mm -hmm. the villainess that you're actually rooting for um i just love that so she began acting in the early 60s that's when she met russ meyer and starred in faster Mm -hmm. pussycat Uh, a little bit about haji was also an exotic dancer Mm -hmm. um and i couldn't find a ton about her but she was a british and filipino actress and Apparently, she uh, added a lot of her own style to her acting roles for Russ Meyer, Mm. like utilizing psychedelic elements and witchcraft, which I think she practiced. So it's pretty, I would like to read more about her as well. And Lori Williams as Billy, um, I couldn't find a ton about her. So Mm -hmm. in terms of the production, what what are some things that stuck out to you about how this movie was made? If you can think of anything. Uh, Well, I was reading that. uh, I think it was like a $45,000 budget. Russ Meyer was always really good about like being on budget or below budget, try to do everything as, you know, minimalistic as possible, which I thought was really great because I love indie filmmaking and just work with, you know, what you can, because that I think makes some really incredible films. Um, I don't know, the black and white aesthetic, of course, I'm I really love that. into. I yeah. love that, the really dark blacks, really white whites. Um, I read about uh, the, just filming in the desert is And it was hugely... like 100 degrees, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm from Canada, so, okay. yes. you know, it, doesn't get that hot here and you know just working the desert Tura's always in black love it uh but there was like heat stroke issues which made everybody very grumpy <laughs> yes yeah there was like apparently some tension because um what's her name who plays uh linda susan bernard's mm. she was a teenager so her mother was yeah. on set and apparently there was like some tension between Tura Satana and her mother yeah. uh <laughs> 
And also tension because it's like 100 fucking degrees. And Russ Meyer had a background, a military background. So he actually Mm. ran his sets like a drill sergeant. (laughs) So everything was like very regimented and... um, it's that's actually really f- a funny contrast considering the content of his films yeah, right it's like, very loose yeah. yes <laughs> yeah exactly i also read that the movie was originally titled the leather girls oh I that's love. in your wheelhouse <laughs> yes <Yeah. laughs> <Yep. laughs> obviously yeah i was like what <laughs> so, uh, something i did want to mention do you know about the film critic b ruby rich uh, not until I started, I read about her. Okay. Yes, I did read about her um, feelings bef- in the 70s watching this movie and then in the 90s, how how she kind of completely felt the opposite about the movie. Yeah, I found that really interesting. So for those of you who don't know, B. Ruby Rich is a, a feminist, queer feminist film critic and Uh, and theorist and Mm -hmm. she said that when she originally saw this movie in the 70s like she felt like it was sexist trash Mm -hmm. and then when she rewatched it later in life she felt like it was this amazing kind of empowering or just like cool representation of women (laughs) and I found like it's something I would like to kind of explore while we talk about this film is like that how how this kind of embodies both like we it Uh is important to be aware of historically how like women's bodies have been exploited by men in the Uh film industry at the same Uh time and that's happening here for sure but at the Uh same time like the dialogue they get to have and just Uh like it's not a typical like sexist trash fest like it's yeah oh for sure for sure i think it kind of fights between the the idea of like object objectifying women but also having them be you know a subject of their own narrative right so you kind of have trying to find that balance between the two and i think honestly uh it leans much more towards them being powerful women and creating their own stories yeah, absolutely. I mean, they're the subjects of the film. Like, the men are really, you know, kind of side mm-hmm. characters. And even yep. though that the movie kind of gets wrapped up where the evil women are defeated, mm-hmm. it almost feels like you're we're rooting for them the whole time, I think. Yeah. And yeah. it kind of almost feels like something that maybe was just there to neatly wrap up the film, yeah. but is not yeah. like yeah. anything that Russ Meyer was like sincerely invested in or anything. Like, right. It, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like it was, these women are kind of self-destructive so that it's not out of the realm of possibilities that, you know, they're going to kill each other or somebody's going to kill them because that's kind of their wild and loose and wacky life that they lead. Right. So, Let's uh, let's talk about the the plot here. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So in the beginning of the movie, we get this voiceover, which I think is Russ Meyer's voice, uh, about violence and the relationship (laughs) between violence and sex. And it's talking about like how women are mysterious and dangerous. Ooh, and, beware. <laughs> and there's this montage of the the three women dancing in the club. And there's those like low angles, those low angle mm-hmm. Russ Meyer moments. And we meet these three strippers, uh, Billy, Rosie, and Varla. And they're like shaking their shit. And they're <laughs> interspersed with, like, cuts of creep men yelling mm-hmm. at them. It's a very interesting scene. Like, how did you feel about that opening scene? Well, again, those those low shots make them very, very powerful. Tura's got her back bending that apparently she was very much known for. Mm. Yeah, they were definitely very creepy. And I think they were saying, go, go, which then is interesting to juxtapose that into the next scene, which is them racing their cars all over the place. Right. How about you? Yeah, I felt like it was it was interesting. It was almost like these men are supposed to look like creeps and mm-hmm. like very much like I, I felt like we were almost put in the position of the dancers as opposed Mm, to being mm -hmm. in the position of the viewer, the spectator, which we usually are when men make content about sex work. I felt like Russ Meyer is putting us in their, the women's perspective as opposed to Mm. the audience and how that would kind of feel to be like yelled at like that. Yeah. Um, It's a very jarring way to start the movie. And yeah, the so the next shot you were saying right there's three they're out in joyriding in the desert and their mm-hmm. separate cars just being carefree and evil and <laughs> i just kind of loved that like how mm-hmm. how often do you see that in films of this time or really ne- still yeah. even like just yeah women just kind of being as shitty and carefree as men are allowed to be and most definitely right did yeah i keep nodding but like it's a podcast so nobody's gonna see me (laughs) but yeah but i feel i feel your your energy nodding yes so yes i love that you're right the carefreeness of them i love because they're just they did their job and now they can just go and smoke and drink and wrestle and fight and just be kind of the the stereotypes of American masculinity. And yes. but they're also dancers and sexy and strong and amazing. Yes. You know. And they're I also love like they're hanging out with each other. Like they're yes. they're yep. just they're like a little group, which yeah. is yeah, you know, very it's just cool. Like, I just want to be friends with them. Yeah. (laughs) Just women hanging out together, having relationships with each other, friendships, which I see as relationships. It's like them hanging out as women. 
Yeah. Yeah. Right. How often do you see that in 1965? Right. Exactly. Like there's so much that happens before any man shows up and Mm -hmm. it's, Mm -hmm. yeah, I just really, you know, on this viewing of it, was very struck by that and like I tend not to use the Bechdel test as like the ultimate barometer of like if a movie is um you know whatever feminist or god that's like a whole loaded gun to even talk about but like I I tend not to use that as the ultimate barometer but considering Mm -hmm. that this is 1965 like it is pretty significant that this movie passes the Bechdel test in 1965 like considering what else was being made at the time um, For sure. So they're all really hot. <laughs> <laughs> Physically and just like temperature wise. Yes, sure. exactly. <laughs> they pull over to like go swimming and um, yeah. Billy pulls over to go swimming. So we yeah. kind of see that Billy, Rosie and Varla, uh, Tura is uh, Varla and uh, Rosie is Hajj. Ha- and they're they're kind of like closer and Mm -hmm. Billy is, you know, more reckless. Like she's, they're more like tight knit. Like we got to do what's best for the group. And Billy is more like, I want to do whatever I want to do. And yeah, she's more independent, even within that group of independent women. And uh, she's just very extra carefree. You know, she's, she's so, aggressively sexual like i feel like all of them are quite sexual but she is you know to the nth degree sexual and that's kind of her main thing if you look watch the movie it's all about well probably dancing and wrestling and having sex like she just wants to bang yeah which is interesting (laughs) because it's billy is a very sexual person like for her own sake for pleasure's sake whereas i think varla and rosie are more about using their sexuality to get what they Mm. want Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. which it kind of billy's um like libido is kind of her downfall in this movie in some yes. ways. Uh, did you just like a side note? Did you see the movie Bliss yet? No, but it did just come out on Shutter, so now it's easily accessible. But it's definitely top of my list because I feel like it's actually going to be a 2019 horror release that I like. So yeah, it's no. I really loved it. Um, so I definitely check that out when you can. What I really like about Bliss, which is why I bring it up, is that the main character is just kind of allowed to be this, like, swaggering female Mm. asshole, uh, which... Mm. You know, I I see in that movie and this movie just how shocking that is to see, like yeah. how rare that still is. Uh, anyway, I just thought that that was an interesting comparison. But oh, that's amazing. Varla uh, like six Rosie on Billy and like says mm-hmm. like go get her out of the you know the body of water she's swimming in and she's like yeah so I gotta get wet because Lady Godiva wants to swim. Swim? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then Varla just sits back yeah. and watches with a grin on her face. So when I first watched the movie, I was just just in awe. There's so much happening. There's so much actually many layers and so many things of this movie to actually digest. And sometimes I don't even fully understand mainly what Billy is saying. I don't know. If there's a bit there's I think it's just the vernacular that she's using. You know what I mean? And it's so I didn't. So after like three watches now, I've, I've picked up on some things and like Varla's just watching them with a smile on her face. 
getting wet, then wrestling. Like, oh, this is a very um like sexually fluid group of women yes. and movie. Um, and I didn't really notice that it seems as though Varla and Rosie has it. They have a form of a, like a romantic or at least a physical yes. or at least romantic on uh, Rosie's side of things. But they're together because uh, before Rosie um, goes down into the water, she uh, very affectionately lights Varla's cigarette. And yes. I only noticed that on like the third watch. Oh, like, oh, there's more going on here than I even noticed yes which is amazing yeah no it's for sure like they're this is a very uh, like sexual there's a lot of sexual tension between the three of them and mm-hmm. varla is like obviously in charge right and i i had a note here too about rosie lighting her cigarette mm-hmm. and <laughs> it's just very like mommy like oh my god like she's I was just like this explains a lot about me (laughs) watching this uh and yeah like there's it's so funny too because like a couple articles I read they were like Varla is like a bisexual icon and I'm like yeah absolutely like she's yeah Yeah. it's it's implied like it's not explicitly explored but it's there for sure yeah There's many instances of it, which I found very, um, um, just absolutely incredible and subversive. There's so many things about this movie for, again, coming out in 1965. It's it's a thought of, you have to think of things like movies coming out, like contextually of the time of 65 and then watching it now and kind of just doing that comparison. Yes. I mean, the thing that's kind of interesting, that's shocking about this movie to me is like how transgressive it still is. Uh, Even though it came out in 1965. um, Yeah, it's just, it's still just as fun as as it was (laughs) when it came out uh, and just as sexy. So Rosie and Billy wrestle. (laughs) And I I have a note here that says, anyone else hot in here? Because I was like... Oh, yeah, because yeah. <laughs> so they're... they're all beautiful. I know. So, yep. Oh my god. Yeah. Yep. And <laughs> Varla breaks up the fight between them and challenges the two women to a game of car racing, which yeah. I I feel like I just really can't undercut how fucking cool that is to see women yep. in on screen doing that. Completely. Um, and they play a game of chicken. And there's some great green screen action <laughs> with yeah. them driving. <laughs> yeah. Great. I don't yeah. actually know, even know if it's green screen or if they just shot them in the car to look like they were driving. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's these great desert shots. The desert is really beautiful. And in black and white, the desert looks so like barren and hopeless mm-hmm. in a way that mm-hmm. it doesn't look in color. Um, Varla wins the game, obviously. And... Mm-hmm. Billy does this dance in like this <laughs> hilarious like sixties matter, yep. Yep. Uh, with her hips. It's so oh, funny, yeah. <laughs> and so this this is when we meet this like very normy straight white couple that pulls up and. <laughs> Tommy and Linda and they're doing time trials out in the desert and my note here is I get this I guess this is what people did before the internet like just (laughs) went out to the desert and just like saw how fast their car could go (laughs) yeah to beat my time 
Yeah. So Mm -hmm. they're like doing time trials. They're like this parody of this all American couple. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Russ Meyer loves to roast Americana. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, who did one of the one of the women says we don't like nothing soft. I don't know. I like. I just yes. They have these great quotes. Like, (laughs) I think that was after Linda. Linda offers uh, them a soda, and they're like, "Mm -mm." "Oh yeah, do you want a soft everything? Everything he touches hard. Yes. Wow. I know. Innuendo again." You have to watch it kind of like multiple times to get everything. Um, it's wall to wall innuendo. Wall to wall, literally anything any one of these characters says is a quote. Like yes. some kind of. <laughs> yeah, they're so like they speak in verse essentially. Yes. Like it's, yes. everything is like extremely coded. I mean, Russ Meyer's dialogue is like really fucking funny. Like he mm. like it's. Um, or who was the writer of this one? And then Russ Meyer helped him develop it. I forget his name. I feel like I'm going to... I gonna... also forget. Yeah. Uh, I will say that I noticed on the third watch was one of the one of the girl gang, I'll call them, uh, mentioned something about an hourglass. And then that's when Linda chimes in, gets out of the car. And she's like, did somebody mention my figure? And I'm like, what is happening right now? My so life. So funny. <laughs> I know. I died. I was like, Linda... Because the other thing is, like, Linda's also great in this movie, Susan Bernard. Like, she (laughs) plays this role so well and, like, with (laughs) such camp factor. And, like, that part is really funny. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Billy distracts Linda by dancing with her and she dancing. so good and she misses recording Tommy's time and this is so funny because Billy tells her to lie and I really yeah. she's like just tell him that you did it and I just yeah. really like that little addition of mischief and like yeah. how it just sets them apart as like these women who are sex workers who mm-hmm. you know that's kind of like what they do like they just mm-hmm. they scam men and yeah. <laughs> like this girl who's just a little, a little white lie it's all right yeah she's like just lie to him just say you did it and varla mocks tommy uh <laughs> and she's like i don't try anything i just do it yes. and Ugh. love that line and she challenges him to a race and tommy says he doesn't have to prove anything uh <laughs> but rosie eyes his car and she's like this is a nice car. I think she's supposed to be like Italian or something. I think so. In quotation marks, I don't. It's no idea. But I, it's like, like Rosie has this there. truly bizarre <laughs> accent that I think is supposed to be Italian. Yeah, yeah, and she's like, "Oh, it only needs a paint change." So they kind of, you know, they're gonna. They they've kind of decided that they're gonna steal their car. Mm-hmm. So the girls challenge Tommy to a race again, and his manhood is threatened, so he accepts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's this great racing scene. Um, Varla, she kind of like runs Tommy off the the racing track, and mm-hmm. he crashes his car. Um, and the three women, they like get out of the car and they start menacing Linda and rip the stopwatch off her neck. And yeah. you can see their Amazonian bodies are like really contrasted mm. with how petite she is. Yeah, she's and, just a little 16 year old girl, really. So, <laughs> yes, yeah. It was so, she, yeah, she was, yeah, that's right. She was an actual teenager um, during the filming yeah. of this. And this is very like, 
I also like have a couple notes here about how Russ Meyer is like a total submissive. Like, mm-hmm. there's just so much like kink stuff going on here that is like <laughs> has to be intentional. Like these three tall, like giant women, like pushing around this littler woman is like yeah. definitely yeah. a thing. And dominating um, yeah. multiple men in this and yeah. beating them up, get on top yes exactly <laughs> yeah so he's like obvious this is like obviously his thing mm-hmm. uh and they varla mocks tommy again and like wrestles him to the ground she, she beats him with a rock and she breaks his neck <laughs> killing him yeah. and uh like with she kills him with her bare hands bare hands yeah yep. like karate yeah. chopping his neck yeah. yeah and linda faints and they the really? three women kidnap her and uh they she's like passed out in the front of varla's car and they go to this gas station where varla mocks the the stupid man at the gas station uh gas station guy yeah because he's like talking he's like women's bathing suits they keep getting smaller and (laughs) they but it's so funny because the the women are just like anyway shut up um yeah it's it's just like yeah so good like the way that russ meyer like appreciates the way that russ meyer understands that men are creeps and like and and has his female characters like hate them for it. I find really mm-hmm. unique. Like mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. he he Agreed. just intimately understands because he was a, a lech, Rosmeyer, and he <laughs> but he he's like so aware of that. It's mm-hmm. it's very like very unique kind of mm-hmm. self reflection through film that mm-hmm. he does. So. Varla threatens the women that they better not tell anyone that she killed Tommy because they're guilty as accessories. Mm-hmm. And Billy has this really interesting line where she says, you're cute like a velvet glove cast in iron. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah, she says that and then it's, um, but, uh, but like a, some, but Varla like a gas chamber is a fun girl or something like that. Oh yeah, yeah, odd. just yeah, very, just a lot of you got to watch this again and again to like get everything that they <laughs> get say. Everything. Yep. They see this wheelchair bound old man and his muscular son, and the gas station attendant tells the women that the old man was disabled in a railway accident. And he ended up going nuts as a result. And he received this large settlement of money that is hidden somewhere in his decrepit house in the desert. And intrigued, Varla hatches a scheme to rob the old man. And they follow him back to the ranch with their captive in tow. Mm -hmm. And Varla kind of concocts this cover story about why they have Linda, which is that her boyfriend was killed. She went nuts, ran away from home, and now her parents have hired them to bring her back. Mm-hmm. So they're like, yeah, these kind of like bounty hunters or something. <laughs> and Linda wakes up and Varla gags her and ties her wrists together. I was pretty into this, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and 
uh, Billy and Varla spar again. So they're like, mm-hmm. there's like tension between mm-hmm. Billy and Varla for sure. And yep. Billy watches Varla walk away. It's very uh, lesbian and mm. <laughs> go like scope out the house. And Rosie warns her that one day she'll go too far with Varla. And Billy says, I can see her trying to figure me out, but I can't mm-hmm. even figure myself. Mood. Oh, oh. Yeah. That line I totally missed. Yeah. Like, there's, wow. yeah, like, there's so much <laughs> just, like, self-awareness, too, in the dialogue. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. awareness of their, um their debauchery awareness of like their evilness or Mm -hmm. just like they're just they're just who they are (laughs) yeah yeah like i feel like also they're sorry go ahead no go yeah you go ahead i was saying i also feel like they're very aware of just their social like their female sexual like social status at that time and there's multiple little hints to that you know later on when uh we'll t- definitely talk about the the lunch the dinner lunchtime scene but just very aware of their status in life right now as well just even as women i think yes yeah no totally like they they're interesting like coming from a sex work background um I, I feel like Russ Meyer was, was kind of like on to something there. Um, and so were the women being sex workers in their portrayal of it, of just like having a certain awareness of gendered roles that like mm-hmm. people who mm-hmm. haven't done sex work just don't have the same level of awareness. Um, yeah. So there's definitely, that's definitely present and it's present in the actresses as sex workers mm-hmm. and in Russ Meyer as like a lover of sex workers mm-hmm. um, as a, as a trick, as like an ultimate trick. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so Varla watches uh, the old man and his son through the window and they have a kind of a conversation implying that the younger son who they call the vegetable, I'm not calling him that. I'm just going to call him the younger son yes. uh, might have like, hurt some women accidentally because of his cognitive impairment and not mm. understanding his own strengths. So the representation of the the younger son in this movie is like obviously super ableist and yeah. really yeah. kind of like the worst part of this movie in my opinion. Like just it's it's very common of exploitation films of this era to use cognitive disabilities as a mm-hmm. way to like th- there's that kind of like backwoods like yeah you know just the, f- the fear of like rural impoverished mm-hmm. people basically mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and stereotypes about them like i'm thinking of the hills have eyes yeah. and um like texas chainsaw massacre a few years mm-hmm. later like yeah. it's you know just a lot is made of that and it kind of like cognitive disability kind of stands in for this larger fear of um the of rural america Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. just something i felt had to be mentioned and explored i i agree and when you 
Ooh. I made note of uh, the gas station attendant again. That's where you find out, like, oh, he's a vegetable. But he also calls the old man the crip. And I'm like, oh, I oh, didn't yeah. catch that on my first time. But it's, yeah, it's absolutely terrible. And I think the most problematic aspect of this movie and not the women, because I feel like that's like lower rung down of that's much more empowering, even at the time. Right. So, you know, very subversive, but very empowering. And this is a not empowering whatsoever. No, it's just I see it as just like part of this very um, mm-hmm. this this tradition of in American exploitation films at the time of like the mm-hmm. mocking and fear of rural America, because this mm-hmm. is, mm-hmm. it's not the woods, but it's like the rural desert, yeah. rural desert people. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, just kind of coastal city people kind of mocking people who live in more impoverished rural areas. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And there's a lot of like precedent for that. Uh, yeah. And even still in, in film, that that mm-hmm. happens um and just like using people with uh, visible deformities or people with cognitive disabilities to like represent a larger fear of something um mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and I, I talk about this a lot on the podcast but most recent example i can think of is midsomar like using oh, somebody yeah. with a disability as to add to the fear and uh, oh, of element oh of it yeah so um varla is discovered by the older son kirk and the father comes out with a shotgun and varla Mm. explains that they were driving all day and uh saw the ranch and thought it was deserted so they came to get some water and the old man says they let him vote, smoke, and drive, even but put him yeah. in pants. Pants. Yeah. Put him in pants. I know. <laughs> and this is another interesting element is like the misogynists in this movie are evil. Like, yeah. he's, yeah. we're supposed to see him as like a backward old creep. And mm-hmm. he, he also says when she walks away, she's more stallion than mayor. Yeah. But if I think it says, but if you get a right, the right halter, she could be tamed type thing. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Interestingly, (laughs) like when he does creep on a woman, he chooses to creep on Linda because she is the most helpless of them. Yeah. So (laughs) he seems to like little girls. So Right. Yeah. So Billy bathes under the water tank and Varla mm-hmm. ungags Linda so she can bathe and she begs to be let go. But Varla promises her when they're done with her, they'll just drop her at a bus and she mm-hmm. plays with her hair and it's like very sexual. Mm-hmm. And Rosie implores Varla that they should leave the old man before the old man blows the whistle. And this is so funny. Varla says, that old man is a sick character. Yeah. <laughs> He won't blow the whistle on any woman under 50 because she knows yep. he's a lech. Yep. Um, yep. And being yep. dancers, being sex workers, they just kind of know when oh, a, yeah. like, immediately when a man is a creep. And yep. that's like he didn't even really say anything. But she's like, oh, yeah, that's that guy's a fucking creep. Yeah, Which... you know, it. you can see them, know it, done. <laughs> Relatable. Yeah. <laughs> and. She the the old man and his son grow up and 
<laughs> Barla says, Billy, watch this sweet young thing. <laughs> like about Linda. And Billy yep. kind of says, Billy says to Linda, you're safer with us because that old man is a, yep. is a creep, which is like <laughs> not <laughs> untrue. Like in not some untrue. ways. Yeah. <laughs> so that then there's that great shot you were talking about of the two mm-hmm. women like flanking mm-hmm. the old man. Um, they tell the story that they've concocted about Linda and how they've, they're taking her back to her parents. There's like really witty, punchy dialogue. And it, you know, how often do you see such witty dialogue from female characters also of this time? Like the biggest example I can think of are film noirs from the forties. Like the women had more kind of freedom for punchy, you know, witty dialogue, but Mm -hmm. yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, um, and then in like some romantic comedies in the fifties, right? Like the women can kind of get away with saying more and Mm -hmm. all of that is definitely like an inspiration for the dialogue of these women in this film. Mm -hmm. So, the old man tells the women to stay for lunch and Varla tells Billy to watch Linda while her and Rosie go scope out the property. And this is when Billy kind of reveals to Linda that ultimately she doesn't really trust Rosie and Varla and that both Mm -hmm. her and Linda need to follow their orders if they want to stay alive. Yeah. Yeah. The old man schemes with his younger son about how they're going to save Linda from the girls all while creepily drooling over her. Yeah. Yep. yep. And Billy and Linda stroll up. Billy kind of like walks off with the young son who she's been eyeing for the whole time because he's super buff. And yep. like walks off with him to go watch him work out and yeah. <laughs> leaves Linda with this old man. Uh, and holding a shotgun. Holding a shotgun. Yep. yep. And Billy, like, strokes his muscles as he pumps iron and, like, tries to seduce him. And then they hear Linda yell and they they run out to her and the old man has, like, fallen out of his wheelchair and he, like, tried to creep on her, tried to touch her. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Linda ran away. Yeah. Uh, and Linda runs into the road. She sees Kirk driving and he pulls over and, uh, you know, Linda falls into his arms and, like, tells him to save her. But he's an idiot and doesn't listen to her. Uh, yeah. And Varla and Rosie come back and admonish the old man, applying he's, like, this predator. That's why Linda ran away. I really loved their con- their contempt for him. Like, <laughs> it's so open, yeah. just, like... Yeah you they're like why do you think she ran away it's like ultimately they're enemies with anybody who's outside of their group but at the same time like their loyalty is more to linda than it is to like the this guy like they're still defending her they're like oh well of course she ran away yeah 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 of course and father's like oh yeah she like nothing happened yeah right yeah exactly and then it's, you know, obvious. And then we have our proof. But she's like, oh, no, you tried something with her. And that's why she ran away. Like, she knew. And then we see him clutching a piece of the fabric from her shirt. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's, that's like, proof. that's a good detail I missed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So 
much to Linda's horror, Kirk drives back to the ranch house and is like, I live here. And Linda mm-hmm. freaks out and flees the car. And Rosie and Varla grab her and capture her again. Uh, Kirk demands that his father tell him what's going on. Varla, like, slaps Linda around. <laughs> and, <laughs> Good and gags her. And... Billy and the younger son are like making out by the train tracks <laughs> and yeah. the sound of the train overwhelms the son and he covers his ears in pain and Billy kind of show like she's, you know, kind of still trying to keep their encounter going, but she also mm-hmm. shows some humanity, you know, she's like, oh, you're really scared, aren't you? And mm-hmm. he you know, says he's scared because his father is scared of trains because he was hit by one. Yeah. So there's, like, the father and the younger son are, like, super enmeshed and codependent. Like, Mm -hmm. the younger Mm -hmm. son has basically taken on all of his father's feelings. Mm -hmm. Like, Mm -hmm. he's scared of trains because his father's scared of trains. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. I just found that a really, like kind of interesting addition and I was kind of wondering what they were getting at there by including that in the movie Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. I guess maybe it goes back to that whole like the the dysfunctional family as as America almost like as the Mm -hmm. as the U.S. like just the fear of of people who live in communities like this or mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'd have to think more about it because there's a lot of um, American exploitation films that do similar things like this mm-hmm. and um, Kira Janice kind of talks about it in her book The House of Psychotic Women I don't know if you've read that book oh, I have not it's on the ever-growing list of books to to read but that's neat that she she talks about that that's great yeah definitely check that out because yeah mm-hmm. it's like really she doesn't talk about this movie but she talks about a lot of movies that have like dysfunctional particularly incestuous family structures and exploitation films Mm, interesting so varla is bathing now in the water tank and rosie is like watching her and Mm -hmm. uh she's shining her boots and it's obviously they're like in a relationship or something Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. again implied and This old man had, the old man has this interesting monologue about the train as, like, a ghost that's haunting him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought this might also be a kind of, uh, let me know what you think about this. Because Russ Meyer has this military background, and because of, like, where we are in American history at this time, Mm -hmm. I thought that this might be a war veteran metaphor. Like, Mm. this old man who has been kind of like maimed in this way is is mm-hmm. and is haunted like in a ptsd kind of way and yeah, it's yeah just like yeah. now living out in rural america just like super isolated yeah. very dependent upon everyone to help him and then guests developed that very strange obsession with young girls because what the story was that he tried to save a young girl, but then he got trapped in a train and she ran off. Yeah. So now he has a weird obsession with girls. Yeah. Yeah. It'd so, be a really weird um, 
manifestation of his PTSD. Right. Yeah. And I thought, I mean, that that was just interesting to me. Like, you don't see yeah. in a lot of um, exploitation films, a, you don't, the, like, men are lecherous. Like, I'm thinking of, you know, I Spit on Your Grave, like, any yeah. kind of rape revenge film. Like, there's no yeah. explanation, really, for why the men are yeah. such leches. But Completely. in this movie, like, there's stuff going on there. Like, there's a back, there's, there's this backstory. Um, Everyone has a backstory. Everybody has layers. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought, you know, this might be kind of a nodding to the PTSD that people of that age at this time were experiencing. Mm-hmm. Um, so he disparages his younger son to Kirk in this really disgusting, like, bigoted way. Like, he, he you know, he says he's just like a blob of flesh. He's not human. Yeah. He's only yeah. an instrument to the old man to get things mm-hmm. done that he wants. He's, like, basically his legs now. Like, yeah. he, he just does things for him. Mm-hmm. Um, lunchtime. <laughs> this is a great lunchtime. scene. Yeah. Oh God, yeah. So <laughs> they are all, like, sitting around eating lunch, and it's just double entendre after double entendre. <laughs> like, that's uh, the entire yeah. scene. Like, yeah. Yeah. so many great lines like that I'm not going to list here but it's yeah it's just hilarious just wall-to-wall funny and Billy says something that hints at Tommy's murder and Mm -hmm. Varla slaps her across the face in front of everyone and Linda starts raving again about how Varla is a killer and the old man reveals that the younger son killed his mother without meaning to and that he hates him for it and his son wheels him away and Varla takes Kirk off to seduce him mm-hmm. Billy is drunk now and provoking Rosie <laughs> her drunk uh, acting is hilarious I feel like she got drunk in all of two minutes yes just like, <laughs> like wasted yeah is wasted i feel like varla maybe had uh an eighth of the corn on the cob that she was eating at that time and she's like yeah she's wasted yeah uh, <laughs> she's there was like... one thing again on on different watches that that i noticed and again it comes to so much of this i noticed with regards to the relation between uh Rosie and Varla so drunk Billy tells Rosie that she has one channel and she really should be AM FM like her so I'm feeling that's like lesbianism bisexuality and again just showing the the fluidity of these uh, women's sexualities which I really liked that little (laughs) the analogy of the AM FM radio yeah that's interesting I totally (laughs) missed that but that's absolutely what what's being implied there because rosie is kind of the only one who doesn't use her sexuality at Mm -hmm. all you know towards the men in the movie so i think it's kind of yeah implied that rosie is just is is a lesbian um and she also says that's why i do things because it feels good yeah your your impression of her right now was so good yeah yeah Yeah, because she's like just wasted and like she's 
It's really funny. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this really good transition between Billy, like, a close-up of her drinking, and it cuts Mm -hmm. to Marla and Kirk making out with this, like, cheesy music. And this, I don't (laughs) know, I love this scene so much because Kirk is just, like, completely seduced by Varla even though he knows that she's evil like and he says to her because you're a beautiful animal and I'm weak and I want you I honestly think he wasn't acting like (laughs) I know that I would not yeah exactly (laughs) he he looks like for real like I can't yeah just completely <laughs> seduced and she says what's weak about wanting and he says what do you want and she says everything or as much as yes. i can get yes. and yes bitch <laughs> yeah it really embodies my entire life attitude but yes. she was in 1965 and me watching the movie now and it's like yes 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 you just embody my entire just life motto yeah i love it so much i want yeah. everything as much as i can get and they're yes. like making out in this haystack uh oh and he's like losing his mind (laughs) (laughs) and it rosie this is also the other thing is like the overt representation of sexuality i mean i can see why at the time this was seen as like soft core because usually Mm -hmm. there's like a a kiss and then the camera cuts but this is it stays on them like making out Mm and him like looking at her breasts and just like oh yes losing his you're not mind. sure where it's gonna go yeah you know? are we gonna see more Ooh, i know and me like perv in the background i'm like more yeah. more 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 <laughs> yeah. and i was like can she can she just take her top off i again? know <laughs> i know and she's like totally in control like he oh, yeah. is a mess and she is like yeah anyway i control the situation Completely. Rosie is like watching from a distance in pain oh. and she's all yeah. jealous. And Kirk is like so weak, right? Varla's so strong and assertive. And yeah. Billy passes out because she's drunk. And <laughs> <laughs> Linda runs away again. And yep. the old man and the younger son drive off in hot pursuit. And Rosie mm-hmm. follows in Varla's car. Varla recognizes her car's engine and like throws Kirk off of her <laughs> to like yeah. and it is she she drives off with Kirk to find Linda and she says let's find her before that old lech does and he yeah. says oh you know about that too like he <laughs> knows his father's a lech gross so the old man spots Linda and tells his son to run and get her, and he tackles her to the ground as the old man, like, crawls towards them in the dirt. Yeah. It's this really, like, intense scene, actually. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. Yeah. very, very, you know, like, just exploitative, like, to a typical exploitation film. Mm-hmm. Um. Mm-hmm. The son, yeah. the younger son, like, collapses in front of Linda and starts sobbing and apologizing. And Kirk runs up and confronts him. And Varla stares down at them in contempt. Yeah. <laughs> and she, she starts laughing. Yeah. And she goes, are you nuts protecting two kooks? They tried to rape this girl. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'm like, yeah. she's a feminist icon. Yeah. <laughs> like, she's like, like, you idiots. <laughs> I know. She's like, um, okay, listen, I kidnapped this girl and I'm trying to steal money, but I'm not a fucking rapist. Like, she's. There's boundaries. Yeah. She has levels. Yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> like, which. To me, Kirk is so much more evil than Farlow could ever be because he's he's complicit in the sexual yep. violence Enabler. around mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. And it pisses me off that he gets to live. Varla's just trying to fucking live, man, okay? Yep. She's just trying yep. to live her life. Like, she's yep. a sex yep. worker. She just wants to steal a car and steal some of this old rapist's money. And I support her. Yeah. <laughs> I also support her. Then they can just drive off into the sunset and go, you know, go get drunk at a bar somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Hotel room. I wish that was my life. (laughs) Yes. I wish that was my life. No, I just, I love that. She's like, um, these guys are kooks and how dare you try to protect them. Yes. Yeah. Defend them. Yeah, exactly. And Kirk says it's over. Nobody's hurt. Which Uh. like, is so I think typical. that girl's traumatized. Yeah, exactly. And it's also just typical, like, oh, it's over now. Okay, but what about when it happens again? Like, it... Yep. Yep. And Kirk says he's going to have his brother committed and leads Linda away oh. to his truck. Varla is disgusted, and mm-hmm. as she should be. And I feel like there's something that happens with films at this time, which like not like I feel like this is kind of a nod to like the burgeoning women's rights movement in the US mm-hmm. as well, like recognition of rape culture and all of those things. But yes. in a lot yeah. of films at this time, like the film tends to, you know, kind of paint it in a way that makes it seem like and like women's liberation is a negative thing where mm-hmm. and I think you could see I don't know like what do you think I think you could see the the women's downfall in this film is kind of um leaning towards a negative view of women's lib but I also feel like the film kind of sides with them in a way and like mm-hmm. you know kind of naming these guys as creeps and rapists mm-hmm. yeah for sure it's it again, it comes back to trying to find that 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 fine, fine balance. And and often in a lot of these types of movies and just film overall, at the end, you know, all the all the women are dead, and you think, okay, well now we can restore to the patriarchal order of things and like everything is right in the world, but really nobody wins. Look who survives. Linda, who's totally traumatized and kind of seen as she's kind of a weaker, more sensitive uh female character and then we have our enabler our essential like our essentially our rape enabler alive so really nobody wins and no order has been restored right it's just chaos yeah yes it was chaos before it still is chaos so nobody wins (laughs) right yeah no that's interesting um and when we get to the ending we can I would like to talk more about, like, who wins in this. Right, Um, yeah. So Kirk tells his his father to give him the keys. He says he threw him away, and he slaps his father and tells him he's going to ruin them all because of his hunger for revenge. And I was like, revenge (laughs) on what, the train? I was was like, I don't really get this. Like, I don't know what his revenge plot is, really. Yeah. The girl that ran away that you tried to save? Right. 
Yeah, I don't, I I didn't really get it, but, uh, (laughs) him and Linda start walking away and Varla tries to get them to ride with her, but Linda refuses and Kurt calls her a sick girl. And she says, well, I was healthy enough a half an hour ago, or do people look different to you when they're horizontal? (laughs) And I was like, I mean, yeah, like, (laughs) he's like all of a sudden, oh, you're evil. And she's like, well, you were about to fuck me. So yeah, I know the blood is now back in your brain. And right. It's again, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so now I'm sick. Okay. Yeah. And Varla gets back to the ranch where Rosie and Billy are, and she tells Billy and Rosie that they should kill the men and the girl and cover up Linda's kidnapping and the murder of her boyfriend. Billy refuses, but as she walks away, Varla throws a knife into her back. <laughs> yeah. Literally stabbing her in the back. <laughs> yeah. Literally stabbing her in the back, and. As the and the old man and his younger son arrive, and Varla hits the old man with their own car, <laughs> killing him uh-huh. and knocking over his wheelchair to reveal money hidden inside the wheelchair. And in this particularly oddly tense sequence between Rosie and the younger son, Rosie tells the younger son to remove the knife from Billy's dead body, and when he does, mm. he violently stabs Rosie to death with it. Mm. Yeah. Hate that. That death kind of is sad for me. Like, out of the three, I mean, she seemed like a very good, like, middle ground. She was level headed. Yes. Yeah, compared yeah, to exactly. the other two. Yeah. level headed out of them. So it was just really, really too bad. I really felt we needed more Billy, actually. Or more uh, Sorry, not Billy, more Rosie. Rosie. Yeah. yeah. We needed much more of her. So much of the other two. And she kind of just was this more mild in between i would love to see more of her yes less chaotic and (laughs) varla sees rosie's dead body and she calls out her name and horror and pain because they like were kind of they're lovers obviously so varla hits the younger son with her car but he's still alive and then she tries to ram him into a wall with her car injuring him and i found this sequence really interesting because i felt like it was she's like fucking him with the car it's like yes incredibly sexually charged it is there's like she's very strong and he's very strong who's gonna win out like who's stronger in this like dominant scenario he's a maybe not a uh, emotionally or mentally super strong character, but he's physically strong, which is men are supposed to be. He's so masculine. Look how hot he is, you know, right. whereas she you know, has the, the masculinity of, you know, maybe the car, of course, cars are, you know, they're seen as like this masculine icon and figure for. Right. And their, representation- their, their cars masculinize the women in this movie or it's. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. It's more articulate than what I was trying to say, but you know, that kind of, that that back and forth which i thought was really interesting because then does he kind of just get out of the way well i think her car like the wheels spin out into the sand and like she can't move the car anymore um kind of they're maybe a bit equal yeah like they they're like at a standstill and Mm -hmm. i mean the car Mm -hmm. kind of like becomes her dick honestly like yeah and yes (laughs) she's i mean the whole movie like the cars are these women's dicks basically like it's they're like quote-unquote masculinized um Mm -hmm. it's like and Mm -hmm. the car also has like a fetish object like i think about um the cronenberg movie crash if you've seen that one yeah i haven't actually but i've heard a lot about it yeah it's really good um 
and just like the car as like a sex organ is Mm -hmm. a a theme in a few movies and um i i really found this particular sequence really interesting in that regard like she's overpowering him with her phallic symbol um right yep and and Linda is like totally feminized because she never drives, you know, she never yeah. like is behind the wheel of a, of a car, never, never in control of any of her destiny yeah. in this movie. Definitely not. So driving the, so he's too strong. She can't kill him. So driving the, the, the man, the men's truck, Varla chases Kirk and Linda into a gully Mm-hmm. And Varla and Kirk fight hand-to-hand combat. And mm-hmm. this is another thing is, like, how often do you see women and men fighting in film? Like, I can think of yeah. a couple of examples, but I can't, especially in, like, um, martial arts films of this time. Like, mm-hmm. there's, in you know, mixed gender fighting. Um, so that's, you know, heavily inspired by that, obviously. Mm-hmm. And... She gets the the better of him, but then Linda hits her with the truck. So this is the right. one time that Linda gets behind the wheel. Mm-hmm. And she goes to uh she goes to hit so Varla like goes to hit Kirk one last time, but then Linda kills Varla. Mm-hmm. And uh and she dies. Then I I sit my note here is boo. <laughs> And yeah, yeah, it's like that <laughs> fist in the air about to like yeah. chop Kirk one more time. I know. Like, oh, oh. And then she's dead. Like, Fighting oh. till the end. Yeah. Yep. yep. And girl. Linda is so distraught over having killed Varla, um, mm-hmm. which I think is, you know, she's more feminine than the three women. Like she has her womanly sadness over killing a yeah. person. <laughs> she's like sensibilities right she's like i killed her like she was an animal and kirk tells her well she was an animal she wasn't human and she's nothing human yeah stop crying (laughs) and then kirk and linda drive off together in the truck and gross yeah normativity prevails which it does don't love that ending that's another aspect of it yeah i didn't even think about that Many layers. Yeah, I didn't yeah. think about that. The heteronormativity of all that. Yep. Right. But at the same time, like you said, who is, you know, who is really, like, winning here? Like, it starts in chaos. <laughs> it ends in chaos. Yeah. I don't know. I just fucking hate that they die. Ugh, it's like, ugh. Yeah. I wanted Me them to too. live. I would have loved more. Yeah. yeah. Like, and have their, their life and their, their cars. And yeah. just... Yeah you know, be happy. (laughs) (laughs) Just drive off into the sunset. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, boy. Oh, that's the end. Yeah, that's the end. Yeah, and (laughs) I was was thinking about, like, Quentin Tarantino and, like, how inspired he is by Russ Mm -hmm. Meyer's filmography and, like, how he tries to kind of rewrite the endings of these kind of exploitation films by having like the people who are have been disenfranchised win yeah and you know i'm not a fan of quentin tarantino uh particularly but i 
if you look at his work like in a larger context you can appreciate it a lot more because you kind of see what he's trying to do like he's you know like in death proof like it's kind Mm -hmm. of a faster pussycat kind of scenario except like the women win right so i kind of i like have always appreciated what he's trying to do in his work Mm -hmm. um and yeah any any closing thoughts about faster pussycat closing thoughts oh my goodness um i did think about uh, when you mentioned a couple of minutes ago with regards that there's aspect of the movie that lends towards like showing the the downfalls or the side effects or the consequences of feminism because at right. the time they're like oh no they're gonna feminists are gonna destroy our traditional family values and there will be chaos and like you know now they're wearing pants and now they can vote right you know and they mention stuff like that in the movie but you know maybe it's of course these women are exaggerated archetypes you know but i think i think it does a really great creates a really good balance between both but with a with a higher the, the, the higher scale and and every the presence going to uh the women being very strong they have like full agency they're in control of their lives they know like who they are and where they're at and what they're doing um i see it you know so much of these women challenging a male sense of virility which i really like again watching this you know if you can imagine watching this movie in 1965 this was kind of crazy for these people to be seeing women like that so of course they're calling them not human and um you know kind of like they're monsters and they're evil because in their minds that women at that time would be if that's what they were doing so i really really liked that aspect of it yeah and what's kind of clever about russ meyer's take on it is i think he's so in my opinion and i'm open to being wrong about this i think he kind of obviously sides with the women in this movie and I mm-hmm. think he mm-hmm. is kind of making fun of men a bit who are afraid of women especially with that opening sure. voiceover yeah. like um, oh yeah <laughs> you know like he he's aware of these dynamics and I honestly yeah. think like part of why the ending is the way it is is because it's like oh well people aren't gonna want to watch this if like the women win so we got to kill them off but I don't think it's it's you know saying like and this is you know why these women can't like this is this is why that they must lose you know it feels very like kind of perfunctory like it's like anyway let's It's killing, like, kind of like in um, how a lot of lesbian vampire films of the seventies. It's like the it, the the lesbian vampire like has to die so that normativity can prevail. But in like some of the movies, it just feels really like perfunctory and kind of like tacked on. Like, oh, we kind of yeah. have to do yeah. this to like um, you know, please the the censors or please yeah. the audience. But like, we don't yeah. Yeah. feel particularly strongly about it. So yeah, yeah. Sure. you know, I read this interesting thing about. Because I actually haven't seen any other Russ Meyer movie. And now I am pumped because I really want to see other things that he has done. And I read this quote that it could, like, his movies could be seen as witty satires on sexual repression. Mm. I thought was interesting. Just honestly, I've only seen this movie, but can't we just see this as him kind of making fun, like you said, of these traditional type characters, traditional American values and making fun of how in the 60s they were very repressed and so here we are let's just kind of 
not exploit it in like a negative way, but exploit that in a super fun, empowering way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's faster pussycat kill kill. kill. Yeah. So (laughs) where can people find you and your, um, your work and your podcast on social media? Right. So uh, Spencers of Horror has a website, spencersofhorror.com. Really, you can get linked to the the podcast and all of our reviews and articles and everything from there. But the podcast itself, I spin in your podcast, is on all podcasting apps. So Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, everywhere you can find podcasts. Yeah. And uh, Twitter at Horror Spinsters. Awesome. And... You know where to find me, everyone. Girls Guts Giallo at Twitter and Instagram. Patreon.com slash Girls Guts Giallo. And I will see you next time. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you. If you want while living fast and if you want to end up giving your all, let me call. But the cat is living reckless, but the cat is right high. If you think that you can tame her. Just you try. It's that she doesn't say what's wrong from right. She's running fast and free, child of the night. In her life, there'll be no time for love. You'll never take her, make up your mind. Come on and try. Yeah, come on and try. Yeah, come on and try.